welcome to Show Me Mike, your podcast about podcasting. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM or on Twitter at SMYM underscore FM. Host on the goodstuff.fm broadcast network. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I've got Alex Knight. He's the product manager at FeedPress, a podcast hosting and feed analytics platform who also happen to be the sponsor of many episodes of Show Me Your Mic, uh, including this one. And uh, for this episode, we talk a bit about uh, his two podcasts that he has, some audio gear issues and fun, and answer a listener question about some buzzing, annoying audio. And uh, we have some audio issues of our own in this recording where the first little bit, there was an audio cable that was slightly unplugged. And uh, see if you can tell. Enjoy the show. So I've I've been using GarageBand. I'm going to switch probably to Pro Tools. It's been like at least ten years. I think the last time I used Pro Tools was like Pro Tools Seven or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I noticed that they moved to a new subscription model, and they've got a they've got a new free tier that's coming out later this summer. Apparently, that's going to be pretty full featured for a free version of the app. In fact, it's actually going to be less limiting than the Pro Tools LE version. Apparently, well, that's good. Yeah, it's going to have the it's going to be integrated with their new cloud platform so you'll be able to uh to save projects to their to their cloud service and and actually collaborate with other musicians and stuff like that online. So it seems pretty cool. Cuz do you do um besides the podcasting stuff do you do do you do music stuff as well? I I do occasionally like just uh I mean I'm not in a band at the moment but uh it's been quite a while uh since I've done any recording and I'm kind of getting back into it now and I I want to start actually laying down some tracks. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely need, I mean, if it wasn't for the music reason, there's one reason or another to, to move to a bit of more of a, a pro audio app because GarageBand, I, I feel like I'm fighting with it every day to, to get it to do what I want to do. It just, it's not super efficient. It's, there are things that I need that are missing from the app. Um, and just, I don't really like the UI. Yeah. That's what I found too when I switched finally to Logic was... And whether it's Pro Tools or Logic doesn't matter, but um, or or what's uh, Adobe's? Uh, I always forget the name. Audacity? No, Audacity is a free one. Yeah. Adobe has. I don't know. I, I didn't even know. Oh, I I'm sure Adobe has something. I yeah, know. I can't remember with the off the top of my head. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, it GarageBand's interface just feels a bit like it feels like the the interface alone is. Um, requiring your computer to work extra hard for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's. I just turned on the. Um, see, because I'm used to the Focusrite that I had. The two i two had a um, a hardware based uh, monitoring, and it was it was like a super low latency monitoring switch. You'd turn it on, you'd hear yourself. There'd be no delay. Like so, right now because the PreSonus has no monitoring, I'm using the monitoring in GarageBand, and it's there's like a delay. In hearing my like a very slight delay, so it sounds kind of robotic sounding. Um, it's better than nothing because I, I need to be able to hear myself. But that's that's frustrating that you can't even do like a low latency monitoring thing. And I don't know if Logic is any better than that. Have you tried the software monitoring stuff? Uh, no, because I well, I'm trying to think. No, I because I use the the mixer. I'm chatting or hearing myself through the mixer. So you got a you got a Heil PR40, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it is like just like what you're experiencing where it's very gain heavy the or hungry the gains cranked gain pot on the on the mixer is cranked. I don't have a preamp or anything other than that. So definitely need to get something like I know you were 
experimenting with the DBX 286S, I think, or something. Yeah. Uh, no, it was the. Um, it's the 266. It's just. It's not a pre. It's just compression and gating. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, so I, I was experimenting with the the 266, which is just a compression and, and gating thing. But um, you can have two mics plugged in, so it's got the XLR inputs on the back. So you plug in your mic into the XLR input, and then you have an XLR cable going out into your into your mixer or into your preamp. But I was getting so much hiss coming from that unit um, and, that I didn't, and I figured, well, maybe it's the maybe it's a cable or something, or or maybe it's the unit itself. So I just unplugged everything, plugged my mic directly into my preamp, and no hiss whatsoever. So, yeah, um, probably going to return that. Um, just continue to use compression in, in post because it's not a big deal. But I mean, I it's kind of nice. I mean, I still like the tactile feedback of just being able to adjust those those things live as they come in. Yeah. It's kind of nice, but I don't know. I might get another unit at some point. But for me, the biggest concern right now is finding a good preamp. And it's really frustrating because my... Um, you know, previously I never really considered looking at uh, the gain headroom in a preamp, and of course now that's something I'm cognizant of. I'm, I have to look for that now that I, I've upgraded my mic. Like I had a a Shure PG42 condenser, um, largely like a large diaphragm condenser microphone, and that's a you know $250 mic, and uh, it sounds really good, but I had to switch because it picked up just a little too much. Um, ambience from the room that I'm in. I'm in a big, big room. Actually, I have just in the corner of my, I have a big living room and on one corner of the living room, I've got a stand-up desk set up. And so it was just picking up a little bit too much noise. And like recently, like I, I hung up like a couple of blankets on the wall and stuff like that around the mics. And that, that helped a little bit. Then I, then I put an even bigger pop filter or like a, I put one of those windscreens on the mic itself and that helped a lot. I was still getting a little bit of it. So I decided to upgrade. So I, I, I picked up the SMB7, but then of course... And, and I knew going into it, people were warning me, you know, they were saying, oh, it's a gain-hungry mic. And I figured, okay, well, how bad could it be, right? Turns out that sucker needs an obscene amount of gain. Um, so my Focusrite 2i2, which is a, a small two-mic pre-USB 2 preamp, it can, if you look at the specs, it only does like a maximum of 40 or 44 gain. And the and Shure's website says this mic needs at a minimum to sound decent, 60. And this is what that PreSonus does. Now, I started looking at... Which, pre -son which PreSonus is it? The PreSonus Fire Studio Project. It's an, it's an eight-mic uh, preamp. Right. And um, basically, I started looking at the specs for all these different units, and it turns out a lot of them seem to, like, max... that they max out at 60. And so I'm kind of... I'm getting a little frustrated. I'm like, oh, man, what is it going to take in my I'm going to have to spend $1,000 like on a tube preamp or something. So there are some preamps that will do like up to 75, but you got to spend a little bit more. So my option now is to either keep what I have or get um, one of those cloud lifters uh, to increase the gain, which is obviously going to be a much cheaper solution. So I'll probably end up doing that. But I kind of... It's, it's frustrating because like I don't like the idea of having another unit that will require another power adapter just to get extra gain out of this mic. So I'm not 
I'm not entirely sure. I'll, I'll probably return the PreSonus and get something else um, because it just, I mean, uh, regardless of the gain issues I have, like I don't like that it doesn't have a low latency built-in monitoring option, which is crucial, I think. Um, you know, you need to be able to hear your own voice. And I, I don't know, um, may, maybe it doesn't have it because they expect you to plug this kind of thing into a mixer. Yeah, I you don't know, know so why they wouldn't. I, I, it's just odd um, because the Focusrite stuff, uh, they have like all of their units, even the Sapphire. By the way, actually, I may switch this for a Sapphire Pro 26, which has four mic pre's, but it's going to be fine for podca- for podcasting for what I need right now. It's a $400 unit. It's got 16 in um, so it has it has a lot of I/O, and I know it has nice mic pre's. The gain stuff, I mean, the gain headroom, it does. I think it maxes out at sixty dB, like uh, the um, like the PreSonus. But um, it's uh, uh, you know I'll, I'll probably have to get a cloud lifter with it anyways. But it's got it's got two headphone jacks built in, which is really nice. So I won't need a headphone amp if I want to bring somebody else in live and you know in the studio and record with me. Um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's that's one thing I know. Often people don't recognize or think about before they do it in studio or or in bedroom, <laughs> whatever. Uh, recording with guests is like, especially if you have somebody else coming in over Skype or whatever, is just that ability to actually everybody hear themselves. And without a preamp or a headphone preamp of some sort, you can be kind of stuck with. Yeah, yeah. But um, and which um, yeah, it's been interesting following you along on Twitter, seeing all this stuff because I I came to know you through uh, obviously through where you work with feedpress mm-hmm. but but then didn't really realize that you were actually a fairly invested podcaster as well because you're, yeah. <laughs> you're swapping gear out and yeah the one thing i wanted to ask you about was with the uh which is the fire studio project that you've got right now having a rack mount mixer like that or um not mixer sorry um io device basically but mm-hmm. having a rack mount versus having a st- standard like sort of desktop box of some sort how do you how do you find that when you're sort of running cables and things like that is it nice to use or is it sort of a pain because you're sort of or is it no different really uh i mean it's it's not that much different in that it takes up more physical space on the desk um you know they're right. i mean they're not they're not super practical um to have at home unless you have something to rack it into um obviously these things are designed to to be in a studio or, or to be taken on the road um you know so i mean nobody likes cables so it's it's kind of a mess anyways i try to i try to keep things fairly organized and and you know i, I like to buy really short cables because all the stuff is on my desk mind you so like i don't need i anything more than a you know three foot XLR mic to or a three foot XLR cable to go from uh, the mic that's on the boom to the preamp right? right so that that keeps things organized a little bit but I mean at some point if I'm going to keep buying rack mounted gear I will eventually get a rack I mean I did used to like I like ten years ago when I was really into recording like I had a full blown Pro Tools rig and I did have um, I had like a six U uh, rack and I had a whole bunch of things in there. Like a, I had a really nice TC electronic uh, multi effects unit, all, all this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I was really into that kind of stuff. But um, then I got rid of all that gear. So I'm going to have to, I'm kind of in the phase of like now getting back into things and having to repurchase gear, right. uh, which is a bit annoying. Um, but, you know, that's just how it goes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. Well, before. We go too far into the show. I want to get to your podcast and stuff, but um, I actually had a listener question this week, and uh, this kind of 
Well, I'm not saying you're the audio gear expert necessarily, and I'm not an audio gear expert for sure, but maybe between the two of us, we'll figure something out. And if not a listener, another listener might have suggestions for him. So uh, previous guest of the show, uh, Stu, who was on the Character Crusade podcast, emailed in saying, his question about Skype is, I know you do many Skype interviews. I've done two Skype interviews now and have been struggling with quality issues. This is what I'm currently doing. Um, Four guys, no, three guys are all on XLR mics plugged into different channels on the mixer, recording from the mixer into my PC using Audacity, Skype running on a MacBook Pro laptop, cable running from the headphone jack on the MacBook to channel four on the mixing board. The issue he has is that he's not getting a clean sound from the MacBook. There's so much interference on the incoming signal. Uh, So he's got the three people in studio and then one person coming in on, on a MacBook Skype box, basically, just like what I'm doing with you. I can record the call on the MacBook and the recording is clean but I'm trying to get the conversation into our headphones so we can have a conversation and the sound quality is so bad we cannot bear to listen to it. Any ideas? Mm-hmm. He's tried alternate cables with no change and if he plugs headphones directly into the MacBook and listens to the Skype call, it sounds nice and clean. So, so Okay, so he's only having an issue when the headphones are plugged directly into the mixer. Yeah, or like, yeah, out of the headphone jack into the, from the MacBook into the mixer and then uh, I think... Okay. He doesn't say specifically whether the recording is good and just their headphones are bad. That's what I'm wondering maybe. Would be Did one. he specify if he was running a, any kind of interface between the mixer and the, the computer? Because it sounds like he's just doing like analog and from the, like from the computer to the, uh, the mixer. Yeah, that's what it, as I read anyways, and we don't have yeah. him here obviously to ask more questions. But that, so for example, that's exactly what I do. I have a Mac mini, MacBook, same difference, but a Mac mini headphone jack out so the eighth inch jack out and then a cable that it's actually converts to a quarter inch into the mixer and there's nothing in between ideally in a perfect i know other folks use like we were mentioning earlier the 286s or something like some sort of preamp to Mm -hmm. give your give a nice little boost on that signal but that works and i can hear you so i'm wondering given what he said he's tried different cables that was my first guess is just some sort of cable interference or bad cable um, it could be. It could be that, like other, just something else that the cable's running across a power line or something. It could also be though, if it's the headphones where he's, if he doesn't have a headphone preamp of some sort, maybe the. But I mean, you, it shouldn't just with four then be weird. Like if he's obviously he's working well with the three people in studio. In in, and I'm trying to remember a conversation I had with him where mm-hmm. what he was using because I think he does. I mean, that's obviously working. So yeah, I'm wondering where that would be coming from if it's already working fine if you plug headphones directly into the macbook and listens to the skype it sounds nice and clean so he doesn't say whether it's it's like when he says interference as opposed to like gain you know like booming uh um peaking audio that would be i think he'd know enough the difference between interference versus like just it's too loud or something like that sure um yeah anything you've no, I, I mean I've yeah. never run into that specific type of situation before. Uh, I mean, if I if I had multiple guests, I would use. I mean, if I if my preamp or my mixer didn't have enough headphone uh, jacks on it, I would probably get a preamp or sorry, not a preamp, but a headphone amp. Uh, I mean, they're they're designed for for a reason to amplify that the uh, the the headphone um, audio properly. So. Yeah, so that's what I would probably use. I mean, he could he could try try that if he hasn't done that. But I mean, it's so hard without seeing his exact setup. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's got the fact that he's got three other folks in studio already. 
he's obviously been splitting the headphones for a while. Right. I'm trying to remember our conversation, but I'm pretty sure he's got something along those lines already. But unless it's like the fourth one is the magic number that, you know, breaks the <laughs> the level enough that it adds some sort sure. of interference to it. But um, but yeah, if you've got uh, maybe a, a suggestion for Stu, you can email me here at chris at goodstuff.fm, but also uh, let me just find, it was episode 92 that he was on, show me your mic. I'll put that link in the show notes and uh you can reach him at charactercrusade.com or um, just trying to find the Twitter account, Character Wonk, <laughs> at Character Wonk on Twitter is where you can send him a direct message to or reply or whatever if you want to just help him out. I know he's trying to re- get recording this week, I think, or something. And so I was hoping to get him some sort of response, but I'm not sure exactly where the issue would be. Like if you've tried different cables and things like that, um, I don't know what else to suggest aside from yeah, some sort of maybe issue with the headphone amp. If he has one. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would do in something like that uh, is is replace everything, like replace all the cables um, and adapters and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've had situations where sometimes I replace, I'll replace like one or two cables, thinking, oh, that that will fix it, and then it turns out it was like one cable or adapter that I didn't replace. Um, so, you know. Obviously, if you have those extra cables lying around, all the better. Definitely switch them. Um, that's that's the first thing that yeah. I would do. Um, and I realize it's a pain to have to like go to the store and buy cables and stuff like that. But at least you can return them if 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 you find out that that is not the issue. Yeah. Uh, and and the other thing I guess would be trying different channels on your mixer just to make sure it's not a weird like your input is broken on one channel maybe or something um, or or just has extra interference or something like that swap just eliminating as many as many variables as you can i guess right so yeah it's, i mean troubleshooting anything uh you know especially audio stuff is really just a process of elimination right you just try one thing and you know especially if you have multiple different interfaces different preamps um you know it's you just unplug one thing and plug in the other and just you know through a process of elimination see what is the root cause of the issue yeah and <laughs> And just frustration. <laughs> but actually, one thing you could try, and maybe you tried this already too, is uh, running the MacBook Pro, either plugging it in with like the actual uh, cable so it grounds it, or not plugging it in. One of those two variables too would be another way of some sort of power interference when it's plugged into the mixer. I don't know. I don't know enough yeah. about that, but I'm I'm the just like that where I just keep trying random things and eventually it works. And then I forget why it works. And then two weeks later, I try and set it up again and try to remember what I did. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully I'd that helps a little bit, Stu, and, and definitely follow up. Let me know if uh, you find a solution. And uh, we'll see if the listeners from Show Me Your Mic out there maybe have a better solution. I'm, I know there's some great audio nerds who listen to the show who know way more than I do about that kind of stuff that might have some extra insights or somebody who's come across it before. So um, anyways, Alex, welcome to the show. Now, whatever, 15 minutes in. <laughs> oh, is this a show? Oh, yeah, this is the show. It's, it's always the show. <laughs> um the uh, the first podcast that you well in your list anyways or in the list that I came across anyways is a unique one that brought back some memories from the eighties for me, um, and I, I forget I don't know how old you are exactly, but I don't know if this is a show you yeah, I watched. Just had my birthday. I'm not ashamed to tell you. I'm thirty three. Well, there you go. I'm, my birthday is actually coming up tomorrow, so we're both August as well. But Gemcast uh, is the name of the podcast, which. If you were around in the 80s at all, you might remember Gem and the Holograms. And so you're, that show is now, uh, as we record anyways, 14 episodes in. And they, tell the folks what it, what it is. 
Sure. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things that uh, a lot of people seem to be doing these days uh, uh, in the TV world, anyways, is just revisiting old shows. Um, and, you know, there, there are more than one reason to, um, there's more than one reason to, uh, to revisit an old show, uh, you know, other than just nostalgia. Uh, I mean, that, that plays a big part of it. But uh, basically what we do on the show is go episode by episode and provide uh, what I'd like to think is in-depth analysis. Um, so right now we're, and I just published a new episode this morning, so we're at episode 15 um, on season one right now. Um, so if you're re-watching the series now or uh, want to do that, um, that is something that you can do and just basically just follow along, go going episode by episode through the show. Nice. And was it a show that you originally were like really loved back as a kid or something, or just kind of stumbled across now as a, an adult and wanted to just have an excuse to watch? No, I, I absolutely did watch it. Um, when, uh, when it originally aired, I, I would actually watch it with my sister. Um, it, it was one of those things where they did a pretty smart thing uh, with gaining um, gaining an audience that was fairly diverse because the show was obviously, I mean, it was mar- clearly marketed towards girls because the, the whole reason why the show was created was to push a toy line. But uh, what they ended up doing with it is that it would air on Saturday mornings and they would kind of sandwich it between two shows that were were very much targeted towards young boys. So they would, for example, um, stick that show in the middle of G.I. Joe and Transformers. So what ended up happening was if you're a kid and you were watching cartoons on Saturday morning, you wouldn't necessarily end up changing the channel because these shows were maybe 21, 22 minutes long, right? Uh, minus the commercials. So so you would, you know, you would end up just watching it because the show had just enough action to make it interesting to a lot of young boys. And that's why it's kind of, it, it, you know, it's amassed that, that audience. Um, so I ended up watching it with my sister and I kind of became interested in, in the show as a kid. And, and that's kind of why I'm just revisiting now. I mean, you know, I'm a very nostalgic person. I, I, you know, I watch a lot of cartoons and stuff like that. So, you know, just lately I've just been revisiting a lot of that stuff and not, not just cartoons, but other shows and stuff like that, that I, that I used to watch as a kid that I, you know, that I have fond memories of. Yeah. And so you have two co-hosts and how did you sort of stumble across like it's, you know, podcast is nothing unique now these days in terms of having a niche sort of focused show, like, like what you're doing with Gemcast. But how did you find your co-host to talk about this show with or the TV show with on the show? <laughs> well, initially, uh, uh, what I did was I, I kind of just put out a tweet and I said, I'm looking for people to do the show with, cause I didn't really want to talk in front of the mic by myself. Um, not super comfortable doing that. And I just, there's something about the, the interaction between two or three people that I just, I really enjoy. And, uh, uh, initially what I did was, um, I just put out that tweet and, uh, I heard back from a bunch of people, but I knew, uh, one of my co-hosts, her name's Aline Sim. She actually does a podcast that I listen to. So I was already a fan. I knew her, her work. And, uh, basically she got back to me. She seemed really interested. And, uh, and then I heard from Kate Tempest Bradford, who's a science fiction writer. I was really less familiar with her work, but I knew kind of, you know, kind of knew her mutually through, um, through Aline. And uh, we just ended up trying out an episode and seeing if it worked. And it turns out that we had a lot of uh, chemistry and uh, that's, that's basically it. 
And for for folks who, um, you know, thinking about doing a TV show recap kind of podcast, what advice do you have as far as how you prep and how you guys sort of mutually prep for a recording? Right. So what I tried to do, I mean, this is by no means for everybody, uh, but what I wanted to do was something a little different than, than what I've heard. A lot of people that do uh, TV show recap stuff, um, I don't know how much preparation they do, but it wasn't kind of the direction that I wanted to go in uh, because it seems like, and I'm sure they, they probably have their own notes, but I, I wanted to make a very heavily scripted, uh, well-produced um, show. And I listen to a lot of shows, like, for example, like I'm, I'm very much a fan of the stuff that NPR does. And so what I wanted to do was uh, basically rewatch these episodes and, uh, and, and make very, very detailed notes. In fact, what I actually do... Uh, and as far as I know, I, I haven't seen anybody else do this, is I do scene-by-scene scene detailed breakdowns. So I actually will end up writing show notes that are ex- like extremely long. And and that's really mainly for me um, because I I want to be... Uh, well prepared for for an episode. So when I when I go and do it, uh, basically I will read directly from my scene by scene notes, and and then after I kind of like finish that, then the three of us will will talk about that particular scene, and so and then I'll go back to the scripted notes uh, and so on and so forth. So that's what I end up doing. So the average show notes for each episode varies between 1500 to 2000 words so it's incredibly long <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm just uh, looking but at one I, but i kind of like it because i you know i feel like once we're done with the show obviously it's going to be a limited run podcast because you know the show only ran for 3 seasons uh but i feel like it'll be good once we're done with it because it'll really be an archive for the show um because what i'll do is not only do i uh do a scene by scene breakdown but sometimes like i'll i'll pick out um, portions of dialogue that I think are really funny or interesting, and those will be kind of like interspersed between the the other paragraphs of text. So uh, it's kind of cool. Like if you're listening to the show, you can also follow along with with the scene by scene uh, notes as well. Yeah, because I I'd seen I read you I guess on Twitter tweeting about how long it takes you as far as putting together it's show notes. Really painful, <laughs> and and I look back at it and I'm like, why did I do this to myself, <laughs> or why? Oh, I know. That's the that's the that's the fun of uh, well, podcasting in general, but the internet stuff in general too is the just the time on the one hand wasted, but the time spent obviously you on a thing you love and have fun doing too. So, and who cares? Well, put this much time into it, you absolutely have to love it because I'm not getting paid for this. So, yeah, <laughs> there's no way I would do this if I didn't absolutely feel passionate about it. Yeah, and which I think is a, a great way to because uh, I know I've done show recaps, not a whole season, but even just episode recaps before on other podcasts, and it is it's a unique sort of balance of like reading verbatim of what you saw happen on the show versus and then interjecting commentary and how you sort of balance the two um, is is a is basically what makes a a podcast or a TV show recap recap podcast interesting or just kind of drab and boring and so. Um, and from what I've, I don't remember the show in as much detail as you guys are talking about it, but it, from what I listen, it's definitely entertaining and interesting. And, and especially I think the one episode I was listening to as far as like, you know, comparing just culture stuff of the eighties and obviously a TV cartoon in the eighties that's marketing toys really is 
kind of like the prime example of of 80s tv nostalgia but uh and it, it's it is fun and, and interesting to sort of hear the how things compare now to 2015 obviously in the way things work but yeah i mean in many ways there 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 are so many things about the show that uh that you wouldn't be able to do now just because they they wouldn't make sense i mean there are a lot of things that don't make sense in the show as it is um so if you were to reboot the show now you would certainly have to make some adjustments but i think it would be possible uh for them to and when i say them i mean hasbro to reboot the show and keep the the spirit alive in terms of like you know the the original concept of the of the show and the characters, I think you can still uh, make those characters recognizable and, and kind of bring them into the modern world. Because um, it's, it's funny because the show dealt with holograms now, and and now we're we're just getting to the point now where we we have VR that doesn't suck, right? Yeah, and we're st- it's still early days, but but we're now just getting to that point where uh, where that stuff is starting to become you know, something we can kind of see a couple of years down the road possibly using. Um, so that's interesting. But, you know, it's, it's just kind of funny um, going back to something that was was made 30 years ago because, and there is a lot of humor in in what we do because, you know, your memories of, of a show when you were, say, seven, eight years old are so vastly different from your feelings about it now you know mm. going back and watching it as an adult you kind of just laugh at all this stuff it's like you know that doesn't make sense or why did they do that that's that's a plot hole that doesn't make sense <laughs> well that's what i think what list reading and listening to the show your podcast about the show and i have an eight-year-old son and and thinking about him watching the show now and like it's all about or the few episodes i was listening anyways are like you know, contracts and music negotiations and figure out like promo stuff. And it's like, it's just bizarre. Like all this sort of adult level stuff that is fun because it's a cartoon. And I totally get why kids watched it back then and why it would be fun to watch now still or whatever too. But um, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I'm just thinking now my, my kids just stumbled across um, Dino Trucks as a new Netflix show that's dinosaurs and trucks combined so well, you can't go wrong with that. I know, right? exactly. <laughs> but, uh, and there's all sorts of like origin story questions I have, but <laughs> the, the funny thing is like thinking now of my kids in 20, 30 years or whatever, doing a podcast about dino trucks or, or whatever they'll be doing in 20, 30 years, who knows? But anyways. They're, yeah. they're going to look back on that and they're going to be like, this is terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have <laughs> you ever, have you ever, like, has there been sort of unique folks that have sort of reached out to you or, or discovered your show because of the talking about the gem and the holograms, the TV show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I might as well talk a little bit about uh, sort of how, I mean, we have a very tiny audience still, but uh, it's it's grown actually greater than really what I expected. Because I felt like when I launched this, I'm like, I don't know, this seems really risky. Like this is niche. Uh, there, there are probably maybe thousands of fans, but I wouldn't say like millions of fans of the show, at least not millions of people that would be willing to listen to a podcast or even know what right. a podcast <laughs> is, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's so specific. I'm like, okay, you know what? If 12 people listen to this, I'll be happy. Uh, but it turns out a lot more than 12 people are interested in the show. But yeah, I've, we've had some people reach out to us on Twitter and uh, email and stuff like that and talk about it. And, and you know, they, they seem to be really enthusiastic about what, what, what we're doing. And, um, you know, they, they engage with us occasionally and stuff like that. I mean, it's still, it's a very slow growing show. Uh, but one of our, one of my co-hosts, uh, Kate Tempest Bradford, she 
has a much larger online presence than I do. And she wrote an article on io9.com. Uh, it was basically just like the top gem uh, and the hologram songs. And she put a link to the show on them. When she did that, we went from like 30 uh, subscribers to like 130 subscribers right. in, in a week. Um, so, uh, it's, you know, it's been growing nicely, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just, you don't do it f- for the fact that, you know, you expect tens of thousands of people to listen to it. You just, you do it out of a labor of love and we're going to con- absolutely continue to do that. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully if more people listen to it, that would, that would be great as well. But, um, you know, we're, we're not really doing it for the big numbers at all. Yeah. And is there a uh, last note, is there actually a new movie coming out or something? I saw oh, you, I remember you tweeting about it or I'm something, but trying to completely eliminate that thought from my mind. No. <laughs> but yes, there is. They've made a live action movie. Um, it's not out yet. It's coming out in October and it looks like an absolute travesty. We did actually a special episode, uh, I think a month back, uh, that uh, just, we talked for like 20 minutes about the trailer alone, which was like a teaser trailer. It was just awful. I mean, there is nothing, short of the name, there is nothing that I see in this that remotely resembles Gem and the Holograms. In fact, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Josie and the Pussycats, but that movie is more Gem than this Gem movie seems to be. Uh, it's it's just so bad. Like I, I don't know if you if you remember, but like like the whole thing with Gem and the Holograms is is she has Synergy, which is this artificial AI that uh, that her father created that can you know create these uh, realistic projections through the earrings that she wears right in this movie it doesn't seem like they do that at all there there are no holograms as far as as far as i can tell uh and uh synergy well in if you watch the latest trailer that they released like a week ago they reduced synergy to some little um like wally style robot that her father built that it's just so far from the source material that it's incredibly offensive to me. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things when, whenever they do an adaption from a comic book or a book, like I, I totally get that it, it is an adaption. There are things that need to be tweaked to work in that medium. You know, I, I treat film and, and, and books very, very differently. Uh, which is which is totally realistic, but when you veer that far off from the source material, you you got to realize that you're you're going to completely alienate a, a huge fan base of this show. And I I just I cannot fathom why they decided to go this route because not only are the original people that grew up watching the show not going to want to watch it, I I don't know if they're going to want to even take their kids now. They've got a new generation of fans potentially that they basically just destroyed. So it's it's really odd to me. And I don't know how Hasbro signed off on this because they they actually created a new comic book series uh that's being published by IDW and the comic book is fantastic. It's it's very um it's very close to the source material. So I don't know what they're really going to do with this. I I have a feeling, and it's you know I I try not to judge things before they come out, but just based on the trailers alone, I, I I'm not confident that that movie is going to do well. And if it does tank, I don't know what Hasbro is going to do. Um, so I I just hope that they reboot the show in a new animated format. That would be wonderful. That's really all I expect or or want. But 
yeah, that that movie's just no good. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm glad I opened up that can. Um, the yeah, like a TV show would be, a, especially with Netflix and or some a similar service these days. Would or seem there's like Inspector Gadget reboots and and other shows. Full House, I think, is coming back and uh, via Netflix. And so, yeah, it, it seems like it would be a great time for some of that kind of stuff to get a little modern take. But we'll see. um okay the other podcast you do is called the impromptu or impromptu i don't know if there's a the in front of it officially or yeah it's uh, the impromptu (laughs) sure um and uh a little bit more i guess a typical ish kind of podcast but tell me about what what's what's the impromptu so that was started a number of years ago that was originally uh, a very tech-centric uh, podcast and we would talk about I mean mostly Apple but you know it was a weekly show and we would talk about technology but uh, we decided at some point that we were going to reboot the show because we were bored with the format now uh, that was originally started by Michael Norton and he brought me on as a guest and then I just kept coming on uh, because I think I was probably the most reliable person <laughs> yeah he had trouble getting some guests on that show but um we, you know, we would have like three or four people on that show at once. And uh, he asked me, do you want to do this full time? And I said, sure. And then we, we kept on doing it and then we got bored with the format. So we said, let's reboot it. So we, we basically threw all the old episodes out of, uh, out of the feed and started at number one again. And uh, which, you know, it, it is risky, I guess, because now you don't, you know, you've lost this backlog of, of episodes. And I think we had... I want to say 70 or 80 episodes, something like that. And we threw those out and started uh, started at number one again. And we basically have a very loose format. It's, you know, the technology is certainly part of it. But, um, you know, we, we talk about a lot of different topics, whatever we're interested in, you know, mostly games and stuff like that. But, you know, we cover things, all, all things media, art, all that sort of stuff gets kind of thrown in this giant melting pot. Nice. Yeah, and the uh, it's it's um, a show that you cover a lot of different topics, like you said. And uh, I think um, do you record? You don't, I was just going to ask if you record live. I didn't see anything like that. Not yet, actually. It's something I proposed uh, this week, actually. So what oh. I'm actually doing is um, because it's mostly just Michael and I, and occasionally we'll bring in a guest. Um, what I was thinking of doing is is in my apartment, obviously that's where I'm recording out of, uh, I actually have a spare room. And what I want to do is I'm just going to, right now that's being used as storage, I'm going to empty it out and I'm basically going to turn that into a studio. And we were thinking about um, just rec- recording in person. So I'm probably going to buy another mic and set that up and and do it that way. And there's something that I've always found about an in-person conversation that uh, it's just, it's really interesting. You know, I like being able to look at a person and have a conversation. So I think that might bring another interesting dynamic to the show once we start doing that. Yeah, exactly. And that's certainly, I know my, my own interest too in that area would be, it'd be much, I think better in a, is a weird, maybe not the right word, but just a easier conversation to have where you're able to bounce each other, bounce ideas off each other and send visual cues to each other, even as you're talking and, and things like that, which we don't get. Um, cause I, as folks who may not realize or, or know, like we use Skype, but we don't actually have, I don't have video on it. It's on a Skype 
or a Mac mini that I don't have a webcam or even a screen hooked up to and remote into. So it's, um, it's, yeah, you don't, I don't have no idea what Alex is doing at this moment. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are so many shows too that, uh, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, for years I, I used to listen to terrestrial radio and when I would hear somebody that, you know, I, I, admire talk to another person in studio it has a very different vibe from when they you know that the radio station receives a call and you can tell it that it is a call um so there's just there's a different vibe to it and i just i really like that um and i think it's mainly because you know there's there's so much about radio that that i that i love that i grew up with and that's something that i kind of want to replicate in podcast format if possible Mm mm-hmm yeah, exactly. And I think that's the the fun too of uh of just having a physical place even in the world for as much as this is all like internet and digital and but actually having like tangible a space you go to to do it and things like that. There's just something to be said for that and it kind of makes the show I don't know, just unique in this world of podcasts, I think, where so many of the aside from the really high-end stuff, so many other shows are all whatever, virtual, I guess or whatever. Yeah, Hol- I mean, hologram-esque. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing is that uh you know podcasts have have exploded uh you know recently in the last couple of years and there's so many people doing it and the quality and variety just is just all over the map and I think that if you're starting a podcast now anything that you think you can do that will bring some unique aspect or dynamic to your show you should absolutely uh, explore at least and see how that goes because there are so many podcasts and if somebody subscribes to your show and it sounds different or there's some other different angle that's you know even though maybe you're you're kind of covering similar topics or or you have a show format that's similar to some other popular show anything you can do that that brings a unique aspect to it I think I think is beneficial for sure yeah definitely all right well as this is a bit of an odd segue to try and make here because normally at this point I'd probably have a sponsor break, but the sponsor of this podcast is also the company you happen to work for. So in full declaration of any conflict of interest or, or whatever, I think we, we can just chat about FeedPress in general. But so listeners know that you are actually, an, is it employee, co-founder? I'm not sure. I can't remember what your relationship or what your title is at FeedPress, but um, you are affiliated with FeedPress, obviously, fairly heavily, <laughs> and are the reason why that, you know, goodstuff.fm itself as a podcast network uh, has hosting with FeedPress and your network sponsor with with Good Stuff and all those kind of whatever conflicts of interest. But also, it's a interesting platform to discuss and talk about as an option for podcasters. And so I thought, what better way to do that than just have you on here rather than always just doing a sponsor read. So um, back in March, I think it was, FeedPress added podcast hosting and and related analytics, obviously, and things like that. Um, what sort of, what was the decision or how did that come about, I guess, that you switched from just being purely a feed, sort of like the, the modern feed burner, um, but better, <laughs> much better um, platform? What was the impetus to sort of add podcasting as an option as well? Sure. 
Well, let me just back up a little bit. So just so people know who I am, if they're listening sure. <laughs> now and uh, they have no idea. So I am the product manager at FeedPress and uh, you were asking about my my relationship with FeedPress. So uh, yeah, so I started uh, initially, well, officially as product manager in July of 2014, but um, I was working on it uh, part time before that. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, it, the 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 company was founded by Maxime uh, Valet and he started it initially as a feed burner alternative. And when it was originally built, he was just using it privately uh, for himself. And the whole reason why FeedPress was built was because we weren't satisfied with FeedBurner, obviously, um, you know, as, as a product. And it was originally an RSS analytic solution. So everything that FeedBurner did, uh, that's what FeedPress was doing. But we, we later ended up adding things like podcast analytics and the podcast analytics actually predates the hosting stuff. So that's not something that we launched just this year. It was, it was done uh, a while ago. Okay. Uh, but, but the hosting as of March 2015 is a new thing. So, uh, you know, obviously there's the, the analytics platform for both podcasts and, and, and bloggers and stuff like that. But then the hosting uh, stuff that, w- that we added. And it's for us, it, like, it seemed like a very obvious and natural uh, progression for the product uh, because you know, we, we already had a good analytic solution. We, we know how to do that very well. For us to do hosting is something that is, is very logical. And, uh, you know, even though there are other companies that are doing hosting now, we tried to approach it in a slightly different way. And, you know, we, we looked at all these different platforms and we said, you know, how can we, how can we help podcasters? Because podcasting is, it's not one of those things where it's immediately intuitive and it's not something that is incredibly obvious. You have to go digging for information to figure it out. Um, you know, just even the process of submitting, a, you know, getting an RSS feed, making sure that it's, uh, it's validated, making sure that you submit it to iTunes and it's got all the tags and whatnot that, that need to be in there. So the whole point why we have this product is to, to make sure that we, we have something that's really simple, uh, that walks you through the steps uh, to get a compatible iTunes feed that you can submit yeah. to make that easier. Yeah, definitely. And, and you have been, uh, regardless of whether you guys were a sponsor or not, you guys have been very helpful uh, with good stuff and sort of our transition from using Amazon S3 and putting up with our own sort of uh, in, inabilities as far as coding and dev work and getting us up on our feet. Because it is, I'll, I'll be honest, at least for me, anyways, I still find feed redirections and feed management and stuff confusing and what's being referenced from where and when you have you know external service like FeedPress managing your feed and how does that affect your original feed and who's getting stuff from where all over that all over this place and all that kind of stuff makes my head hurt and so it's been awesome to have uh FeedPress to as a company and Alex specifically to bounce our dumb questions off of I'm sure well they're not dumb questions I mean those are (laughs) those are questions that a lot of people uh, wonder about. In fact, we get email every single day from people that don't understand how to redirect a feed, or they, they're, or they're. It's not even that they they don't understand. They're naturally cautious about right. losing subscribers. Nobody likes migrating from one service to another. I mean, let's let's face it. It, it is a pain, right? Yeah. Uh, and the last thing that you want is to lose data or to lose the audience that you worked so hard to build. 
And uh, that, that's why this product exists. I mean, th- this is why we have things like an automatic feed burner migration tool that you just plug in your, your creden- Google credentials and we, uh, we import the RSS feeds and we import the data and we, we even import your, your email newsletter subscribers into the system. So we try to make it as simple as possible. And, uh, you know, even though, you know, we still, we still get questions and stuff like that, and we, we answer them as, as, as fast as possible. And, you know, we, we built things like a WordPress plugin to make it even easier. Cause like you said, feed direction, feed redirection isn't, um, isn't immediately obvious to a lot. So the WordPress plugin, for example, makes it super simple. So just like within a click, you can say redirect this feed here and you don't need to understand how to create redirect uh, rules in HT access. Uh, I mean, of course you can. We have tutorials that allow you to do that. But um, if you are using WordPress, um, obviously, which is the most popular CMS, that, that makes it easy for you to do. And you don't need to understand all the technical details behind it. Because we ultimately don't want people to have to understand the technical details of RSS because RSS is not necessarily an easy topic matter. All you need to know is that you have a website, you have a fee that they give you, which is just this URL. All you need to know is you just plug it in and then boom, you've got, you know, you've got RSS analytics. Yeah. And that's where I know you guys have the the history of, I've been running uh, using FeedPress as a feed redirection service for my personal blog, WordPress-based blog. And I've loved it for that, for sure, as far as getting just great stats and and uh, and trustworthy, reliable feed service, I guess. Is, the, is that the right way of feed? Yeah. Anyways. Sure. Um, and the, the thing that's that's always confusing, I guess, for folks, and we've we've experienced this, too, with the various shows we have and having now with uh, feed presses, I would say, well, yeah, definitely better analytics than what we've had before on our podcasts here at Good Stuff and sort of difference of managing and tracking subscribers and then downloads and how those two don't always line up. Cause I know for a lot of folks, uh, especially if they're just not even familiar with just statistics in general uh, for feeds and things like that, assume it's kind of like, like a download is a very trackable item. It's just like, it's, this show has been downloaded this many times and that seems fairly obvious and how you may maybe measure what a download counts as is where you, maybe some of the gray area comes in. But a subscriber to a show is one that's a little harder to track and quantify. And sure. Do you have, I guess, comments on how Feedpress does that? And what? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because uh, this is not something that is uh, immediately clear to most. Uh, there, there is a differentiation between those two metrics. And, and first, I just want to say, too, as far as metrics are concerned for podcasts, uh, you know, uh, um, it's not immediately obvious, but if you're just starting a podcast now, the most important metric is podcast downloads. Um, and the main reason for that is that that's just how we um, gauge um, listener engagement, essentially. Uh, you know, and as you're working on your podcast, as, as you're growing the audience, you know, at some point, let's just say uh, you start pulling in enough uh, downloads in order to attract sponsors. Well, advertisers want to see a certain number of downloads before they will even consider paying for a sponsorship. Uh, so, for example, like many, um, many ad networks uh, are now becoming increasingly more picky about 
how large your audience is, for example, they, they won't even sponsor you unless you pull in, let's say, 20,000 downloads per episode. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so RSF subscriptions are not as important. However, with WePress, like, we, we still give you that data and a lot of podcast hosting platforms don't give you RSS subscribers. So it's a, just another metric to have. It's nice to have. But those two things, RSS subscriptions and downloads are not necessarily going to match up. So let me just go into a little bit technical detail about why that is. So some services, for example, uh, and I'll just give you concrete examples here. So for example, Stitcher and TuneIn, those services don't necessarily report their user agent. And I'll explain what that is. So the user agent, just think about it as it, it is a unique way of identifying that service. So it's just a little piece of metadata that's attached to, for example, an IP address. And basically, uh, we, we look for that user agent so we can actually identify that service and also tell how many people are coming from that service and subscribing to your feed. So for example... Uh, one of the most popular RSS readers out there, which is no longer available, which is Google Reader, you would see in FeedPress, for example, it would say Google Reader, and then it would tell you how many subscriptions that you have. Um, so not all because not all services report their user agent, there are some things that we won't be able to tell, like how many subscriptions are coming from, from Stitcher. But the download stuff is a little bit different because when when those services are hitting your feed and you have tracking enabled, which is just like a piece of code that, that it's, that's just wrapped around the URL uh, of the, the audio file, uh, we can actually tell how many hits uh, you're getting on that individual episode. So sometimes those, those numbers don't necessarily match up. Yeah, and that's the, the confusing part, and I, I, it's just part of the nature of this beast that we're in with podcasting as far as the stats are always kind of like plus or minus a number, right. whatever it happens to be. Is it is kind of what it feels like. And even within the the stats that you guys give for a show, uh, the actual file, you give us hits and uniques. And that's where, if I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong and I'll just lay out my layman's <laughs> interpretation and then you can tell me what actually is going on. But uniques is like the actual times a, a file is hit perhaps and by one IP could be a bunch of times versus hits being, no, sorry, I've got that backwards already. Hits being from one IP multiple times possibly, whereas uniques is actually the file being downloaded. No, I've already. Uh, so, <laughs> so un- uniques are from a single IP address. Right. So those numbers will, will obviously be lower because you could be one person downloading, you know, for example, show me your mic on, you know, two or three different devices. But if it's the same IP address, that's, that's just one unique address, right? Right. Whereas the hits are just like, that's all the downloads. Right. Irrespective of, of, of the IP address. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we try to, to make it as clear as possible. But, you know, with, with user feedback, we're always looking for ways on how to make that stuff simpler. Um, you know, how, how do we make the analytics portion of the service, you know, easier to understand? Because... Um, that's really the goal. We we don't really want to have a product that that is that is tough to understand for for new people that are getting into blogging or podcasting, for example. So anything we can do in that area, and obviously we 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 do listen to feedback, and you know 
I, I can just say for, for people listening to this show, like for what you guys are doing, you guys have been really instrumental in, in, in helping us, um, you know, really just to improve the product in general and stuff like that. So like listener feedback is just really, really crucial for us. And, and, and we have to, we have to do that because, because otherwise, I mean, we use the product ourselves as well yeah. every day, but sometimes even though like I'm using it, for example, for my own podcasts, sometimes it's always good to have that outside perspective because you know once you you get too involved and you're looking at your own product that you've built every day you can kind of become disillusioned a little bit and it's it's nice to have that outside feedback yeah and it's i would i would also add to that like that you guys have been very responsive when we suggest something as simple and this isn't like a groundbreaking bug or feature or whatever but like i remember the uh, uploading a file thing was at the bottom of your list of files on your a show. And so I just had said, Hey, could that be at the top? Cause that's actually where I, what I go to that page for most often. And for us at good stuff, I, I guess I'll add the, the extra sort of endorsement in terms of we've definitely been, um, I'm sure there's other networks you have. Well, I know there's other podcast networks you have, so it's not like we're unique in that, but if you're, if you out there have one show that you're looking to add, that's definitely very easy, uh, for them to do. And they'll do a great job. I think of taking care of you. We had a bunch of shows that we were migrating and importing and trying to track and make sure everything works. And, and, uh, Alex and, and Feedpress did a great job of taking care of all of that to collectively. And so, um, yeah, you definitely have, don't have anything to worry about, but yeah, the, the feature request and those like the next day, it was like, Oh yeah, swapped. Of course that makes sense. Cause well, even like you're like say Gemcast, you're up to fourteen episodes, fifteen. The screen isn't that big yet. Whereas for some of our shows, we have a hundred. That's and exactly <laughs> why I'm saying outside feedback is so important yeah. because my use case is not the only one that matters. Right. Right. So there are people like you that Classic. have got you know a ton of shows on your network and possibly hundreds of episodes. And of course, when you get a long list, you're not going to want to have to scroll through that, all that sort of thing. So yeah. And that's the uh, the other features that we actually haven't taken advantage of yet ourselves, but things like adding an automatic newsletter that people can subscribe to or they can get automatically just emailed a, uh, each time a new episode is, is put out and, and on the feed or also um, publishing to sh- social networks automatically. Um, Twitter, Facebook, I believe, are the main ones. I don't know if any others have been added, but... Uh, there's also, believe it or not, still support for app.net and, oh, nice. and also Buffer as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Buffer is great. Yeah. Then that's, that takes care of everything else if you want to use those too. So, um, yeah, very cool. And that, and then the, uh, you had mentioned already the WordPress plugin, which makes it super easy to use as well. If you're publishing out of WordPress, um, which a lot of people are doing, obviously, um, and even customizing host name, like we have on ours, uh, feeds.goodstuff.fm, I think right. is our host name. <laughs> yeah, I, so actually let me just talk about that quickly. Yeah, sure. Because that is one uh, big uh, difference between us and uh, some of our um, some of our other competitors because uh, we, like, we realized, like even for our own stuff, we didn't want to necessarily have a URL for a feed that is not... Uh, our own domain name. And I know branding is a big, important thing for a lot of people. Uh, I mean, not everybody cares about it so much, but with, with FeedBurner, it was one of those things you'd get this this long URL, you know, feed.feedburner.com forward slash and then the feed, the feed name, right? So uh, when, you, when you first set up uh, your, your feed and feed press, we give you a URL 
Uh, so it'll be like feedpress.me slash your, your podcast name. But uh, we have a feature called custom host names like you just mentioned. And that basically allows you to use your own domain name just with like a simple, you know, going to your domain registrar, entering a CNAME record. And it's it's a tu- we have a tutorial for this. So if you don't even understand what a CNAME record is, all you need to do is just follow the steps and, and you can do it. And then you'll have your your own domain name in use with with your feed and uh, it'll be it's a completely white labeled solution too so you won't see like feed press like you know branding anywhere on your feed and the feed template itself can be totally customized so if you're um, if you're familiar with HTML CSS and and uh, twig templating and stuff like that you can you can just dive into the code and and make your own custom template uh, if if you uh, feel inclined to do that sort of thing. <laughs> so like it, it, it ranges like it, it, on, on the face of it, it's, it is a very simple uh, thing to use, but you know, we have features in there for power users. Cause we know there are, you know, there's a subset of, of people that are going to want to go in and, and do all that sort of messing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that's uh, yeah, there's a little bit of something for everything, everybody. <laughs> in there. <laughs> so I was trying to say, and um, I think, I was just looking through the dashboard quickly and trying to think of if there's anything else that's worth covering. But I'm sure if, if you're listening out there and you have questions and uh, sort of stuff that you'd like me to follow up on or or you're curious, you're, you're maybe you're with Assist, another platform, and you're curious about why you're looking to change or whatever, feel free to email me and um, we can answer it on a future episode. And uh, obviously Alex is also on Twitter and very responsive to questions and, and, the, and the main FeedPress account as well too, of course. So uh, plenty of ways to find out about it um in terms of the uh the little sponsor link and affiliate code or not affiliate code the sponsor link v.press slash smym is where you can go to check it out um sign up you can get 14 days no contracts or commitments to sign up and and then if you do decide to sign up you can use promo code smym during checkout to get 10 percent off your first year and a bit about that just from a podcasting perspective um many of you would be aware but like that basically helps good stuff uh, as a network show feed press that hey we are there's people listening <laughs> and that's why you should continue to sponsor us but then from feed press's perspective it helps them obviously figure out where folks are coming from and who which podcasts are recommending them and, and that kind of thing as well so um maybe i don't know if there's a way uh, an angle there it feels a little bit weird a little bit meta maybe to talk about some of that sponsorship angle on this but that's kind of what i think what people are list who listen to this show anyways are curious about some of that stuff and how you decided to sort of invest in podcasting and, and what maybe if there's a show out there who's like, Hey, I think I feed press should sponsor me. What should they do? Well, they can definitely contact us. <laughs> Just sorry, uh, because if I haven't, if I haven't heard about you, uh, I mean, it, it, chances are if I've, if, if I've heard about your show, I've probably tried to reach out to you at some point. And that's, that's something that, that I do on a fairly regular basis is, is reach out to shows and, uh, you know, especially new shows possibly that are that are launching and they're not exactly sure, you know, well, how do I get hosting? What do I use? Where do I host? All that sort of stuff. We, we really do try to make it easy for people to get started. But yeah, if you've got a show and uh, you've got, uh, you know, you're, you're hosting your stuff other, other places and, and you're thinking about switching, definitely get in touch. Feed, feed.press forward slash contact or you can hit us up on Twitter 
at uh, Feed Press, and uh, chances are it'll well, it'll definitely be me that that will be responding <laughs> to you. But um, yeah, like like Chris was saying, I mean, we ha- we have a free migration service available too. So uh, if you don't want to go through the pains of of having to move files from one host to another, we we definitely help you with that. And you know, this is something we we don't really advertise a lot. In fact, it's not advertised anywhere on our website, which is something I'm going to have to correct. But um, it's it's something we, we started doing in the last couple of months and. I actually told total credit where credit is due. I actually got the idea from from what the people at Hover were doing with their valet uh, service because they would help people move domain registrars and and moving from one domain registrar to another. Obviously, nobody likes doing so. I figured I'm like that's that's a great idea. We should actually do that for podcasts and it, and it's been obviously successful. You can speak to that, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean when when you don't have to do the work, it's pretty nice. Yeah, that's where. Um no question having, uh, again, all the shows that we moved over, having not, not having to do all the file migration of that was a huge time saver and, uh, made our life a lot easier and, and knowing that they were just, they were done and taken care of obviously. So, um, yeah, this is a bit of a weird episode, obviously a little bit of a glowing endorsement of a sponsor, which is, is a unique kind of (laughs) situation, but I think folks can appreciate what, uh, that, uh, I get de- I definitely on a show like this with, which is all about podcasting that obviously we kind of have to talk about that kind of stuff. One thing I didn't mention was uh, I've also exper- experimented with uh, analog mixers as well. So I did have a small um, uh, Behringer mixer that I played around with, but I ended up getting rid of it just because like I don't need all of the extra IO and I just felt like it was adding more um, complexity to my setup. So I figured uh, I'm just going to switch my preamp to something that has the inputs that I need so I can, you know, hook up external devices. Like, for for example, if I want to set up a separate uh, dedicated machine just for running Skype or, um, for example, on my iPhone right now, what I I did was I bought this app called um, Boss Jock. And you can set it up like a like a soundboard and import your own custom audio uh, files and stuff like that. So my plan was to basically connect my my iPhone to uh, well previously the mixer, but but now that I have a preamp that has enough inputs, I can basically take the the mini jack connection uh, that goes straight into with a cable adapter straight into a uh, you know stereo quarter inch. Uh, plug that goes directly into into my preamp, and then I can take that audio directly into GarageBand, which is what I'm using right now. But eventually, we'll we'll switch to Pro Tools at some point. Yeah, Boss Talk is a great app that's been around for a little while in the podcasting, music, audio, whatever kind of realm. But uh, definitely worth checking out if you're looking for any sort of like. I mean, just you could you can re- use it to record your whole podcast technically on if you wanted to but also just as an auxiliary kind of device like you said media player app device kind of thing it definitely works awesome for that kind of stuff too so um and the guys behind that i know are are just as invested in the podcasting world and so i'm sure are responsive to feature requests and also will be sticking around for a while in terms of this podcasting medium so um that's a great suggestion so um one of the ways i end one of the the way, sorry, not one of the ways, the way I end, usually end a show is asking lists, are you, I guess, what uh, podcast you're listening to these days? So if you have your podcast player app of choice handy to fire up and see what some of your recent, I don't know, five-ish, ten, whatever podcasts that you're listening to these days that you sure. throw out there. 
Yeah. So with uh, with uh, what I listen to, uh, I've actually had to sort of pare it down recently just because there's only so much time in the day, which I'm sure you you are abundantly <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> clear on. But uh, but basically, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think I subscribe to at least twenty different shows. I, I use Overcast as my uh, podcast client on iOS. And there are some shows where basically like I won't subscribe to it. And this is actually a nice feature of Overcast. You can easily, um, you can uh, keep the podcast in your list, but not have it automatically subscribe so that it downloads all the new episodes. Uh, so I will do that with with some shows where I'm like, I'm not going to listen to every single episode, but sometimes if they have someone interesting on or if there's some topic they're covering that I find interesting, I'll, I'll go in and download that, which is really nice because like I don't want to have to resort to unsubscribing from a show if I you know, if, if I don't want to listen to every single episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some of the shows that I'm listening to, for example, like I would say the... Um, uh, WTF podcast with Mark Marin is one of my favorites. Uh, uh, yeah, I really look up to him as just like a in general a, a pioneer in the podcasting world. Obviously, um, you know I listen to shows like Accidental Tech Podcast, um, and uh, there are a few other tech shows, but not a lot. I've actually tried to add a little more variety in my playlist. So, for example, um, I've tried uh, listening to a few other comedy podcasts like Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, which is just absolutely hilarious. Uh, if you like Gilbert Gottfried and you're not annoyed by his voice, I would definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, other shows, uh, Polygamer with uh, Ken Gagne is a really good show and uh, Less Than or Equal... Um, Reconcilable Differences, uh, Reply All, Roadwork, Roderick on the Line, The Talk Show. Um, Yeah, those are just a few examples of some of the shows that I subscribe to. And uh, obviously I'm subscribed to the Good Stuff Master Channel feed. You guys (laughs) do a lot of good stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and the uh, I was going to ask you, I don't know if you heard the news about, uh, I think it was yesterday as we record anyways, the... um, Midroll and uh, Earwolf Networks and uh, whatever all the diff, the the podcasting conglomerates that are sort of behind WTF or uh, beside anyways launched their new app called Howl, which is sort of their way of on Howl.fm. Did you see this at all? I I did actually. Yeah. Do you have thought? I, it's something that's kind of an interesting play, I guess, in the podcasting world. Not all that unexpected, mm-hmm. um, where they've got a ton of shows, obviously, and back catalogs and 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 but also interested in you know analytics and stats like just like everybody else is on their podcast and so they've basically I'm I'm doing a poor summary but basically launched their own app that you would use and then subscribe to kind of like they've compared themselves to Netflix for podcasts but obviously their own shows the Earwolf network I think that's a if if that's what I I, I mean I I didn't see them say that but if that's what they said I would say that's a really terrible analogy but uh, uh, because the thing is is like yeah you've got you, you might have a network with a lot of shows but it's I wouldn't call it Netflix for podcasts unless they had the entire iTunes directory of podcasts but that's kind of my pushback too is and I don't even expect them like Netflix doesn't have every single show ever but a wide ver- they don't just represent one studio and or one production house or anything like that and so right. that's where I think it was a news article about them and then they've been quoting that as a you know have we been asking for the Netflix podcast? And I, don't, I don't feel like anybody's really yeah. asking for it. But <laughs> No, I mean, most people don't even understand. I mean, the people that are listening to podcasts 
range from very technically inclined people to people like my dad who are just getting into it. But you know, most people just use whatever default podcast app comes on their smartphone, for example. Yeah. Um, so, in all honestly, uh, honesty, I think people are just searching the iTunes store and finding stuff, or they're hearing about shows from friends, and I don't think they really understand or are aware of the actual podcast networks that are behind the actual shows. Like, I mean, people, people care about the individual shows. They don't care necessarily about the networks. And I think it's very much like this for, for TV. People don't care about, um, people don't care about the stations those shows are on, right? They're like, oh, they're not, they're like, you know, they're not huge fans of HBO. They're huge fans of the shows on HBO. Yeah. So, so that's what people follow is the pe- the individuals that are producing the shows and the shows themselves. Yeah. So exactly. And they, so they're charging four ninety nine four ninety nine a month uh, mm-hmm. for a subscription. And then you get back catalog stuff. And then also they're doing like the special shows now, you know, like where there's going to be shows that are only available on there, but it feels like as a medium, I don't know, like we, we, we started off being free and now trying to add charges yeah. to it is going to, I don't know. We'll it's interesting. See. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I'm just taking the sit back and see how it plays out approach. Uh, I, I don't have any real negative comments to make about it because I think anything that anybody can do to help uh, make podcasters make money, I think is a good thing. Uh, so I, I think that's good. And obviously, it, I'm sure, well, it remains to be seen whether it's going to work really well for them. But, you know, when you have shows like WTF with Mark Maron, who has this established large fan base, uh, I'm sure there are plenty of his fans that would pay that um, to get access to extra content, the back catalog, for example, just being one prime example. So... I think there is a place for it. Uh, I don't think this is going to solve the overall larger issue that podcasts have uh, for most people because to, I'm sure to even get on their network, you would have to have uh, a huge audience. And let's, let's, let's be real here. That's extremely difficult to do. Most people, I got to be honest with you, if you're, if you're getting into podcasting now or have a podcast that you've recently started, you have to be realistic with yourself. Like, First of all, you can't do it thinking that you're just going to become some big superstar because you may be podcasting for two years and that show may not go anywhere, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a luck of a draw sometimes. Like I'm sure you guys know you've launched a lot of different shows. Sometimes shows get canceled. Sometimes you start up new shows, right? Yeah. That's just how it is. And it's like that with television too, right? That's, that's another medium that I can kind of compare that to. Like sometimes shows are successful. Sometimes they're not. Like, and sometimes it's not even the people that are on the show. Um, Right. It's just that format or that topic or whatever, just for whatever reason, at that given moment, it didn't work. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's good. It, it, we'll, we'll see how that works. But uh, I don't think this th- this doesn't really help uh, the overall issue of how do we get the layman on podcasts? Right. How do we get people to understand how to use podcasts? Uh, I, you know, I think I think Apple made a really great step with making the podcast app a default app 
on there and they've made it very easy for people to find shows. But there's still a ton of people that like they've heard of what a podcast is. They may have this this basic understanding of of the concept of what a podcast is being like, oh, it's like radio, but on the internet. But they still they they they've never explored it at all. And I think that's that's the bigger problem to solve is how do we get everybody on the planet just like music is ubiquitous, how do we get podcasts to that point? That's going to take a long time. And podcasts are still still very early days, even though you know the format has been around for, what, 10 years now, maybe a little longer. Uh, but it's still, it's still in such... It, it's, still, it's, it's in its infancy at this point, right? So it yeah. may take another five to 10 years, for example, just to, uh, to, to really take off. So well, I think it's we'll, like we'll the, the gold rush is sort of over the initial phase where there was very few podcasts and it was possible to start a new one and kind of break out very easily. That yeah. phase is over. We're kind of in the, like when blogging was really popular, everybody's blogging and you can't just expect to start a blog and make a book, get a book deal and whatever. Kind of in that phase with podcasting now and people are trying different ways like Wolf Pop of making a bit of money, but, and then that'll, dust will settle from all that. And the people who don't get on that gravy train right away and you know burn out quickly or whatever because they're not making enough money or whatever or making any money fade away and we'll, I think we'll settle in a, yeah like you said in a few years we'll sort of settle on kind of like with blogging where there'll be a bunch of at the top and then a bunch of a wide group of people in sort of the middle that are you know hobbyists and and occasionally have a breakout hit and then that'll be kind of probably what's normal I would guess and yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, I'll talk about blogging just for a quick sec too, because that, that's something I've been doing for a while now, and I, I've been doing it for about. Like, I've been I've been writing on my website for about five years now. Uh, I and I actually maybe a little bit longer because before I actually owned my own domain name, I, I was you know I tried Blogger and Tumblr and you know moved around quite a bit till I settled on on my own CMS and you know got serious about it, but. You know, I, I was really late to the game. I started, I think, in 2009 or 2010. So that, that, was, that was way after, um, you know, people like John Gruber uh, got started. So I kind of, I missed that boat. You know, that, that ship had sailed. So yeah. at that point, like, you know, it, it's, and to this day, like, look, I, you know, I can tell anyone, I've been writing for five or six years now. And I've got hundreds and hundreds of articles on my website, like long form articles. And I don't have tens of thousands of subscribers. Like, you know, like right now, like I, I have a tiny, tiny audience. Like I have like maybe a thousand people that subscribe to my website. Right. So, you know, that, that's, that is, I'm a perfect example of somebody who's been doing it for a while and really hasn't grown a huge audience and I don't make money off my website, you know, and it's not that I haven't experimented uh, with uh, monetization <laughs> yeah. aspects, you know, I've tried advertising. I didn't like that. I've tried sponsorships. I've tried memberships. I've tried affiliate links. Made a little bit of money off that, but you know, I, I don't ever see myself getting to the point where I'm going to be an audience that's, or I'm going to have an audience that is anywhere near someone like. John Gruber. I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, that being said, that's not going to stop me from writing because I'm doing it out of selfish reasons. I'm, I'm writing because I have to, because that's, that's what I want to do. Same thing with podcasting. I'm podcasting because I'm, I'm wanting to scratch you know, my own itch. I, I've, I'm passionate about a topic and I'm going to keep doing that. Whether the show succeeds or not, I don't know. I'm going to keep doing it. 
if it's not this show, it'll be another show. But I'm just going to keep plugging away at it. And I think that's what people have to realize now at this point for both podcasting and blogging is that there we still have a ways to go. But I mean, you got to be realistic. Like, you know, un- unless you got in, you know, early, it's going to be really tough to, to build an audience. And But you just got to keep doing it if you care about it. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think that's a perfect, I think the best time to start a podcast is right now. And better time was, you know, yesterday and best time was five or six years ago, but that doesn't mean you don't start one now. And, but yeah, have realistic expectations of what you're getting into it for. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a great spot to end on. Um, the, the podcast that you have any, any final words that you want to mention as far as where folks can go and check them out? Yeah. So the, the easiest way is to just go to the website for both of them actually. So it is gemcast.tv uh, and uh, for the impromptu, they can go to theimpromptu.net. And of course, both of those shows are on iTunes if you just search for them or I'm sure we'll have links in the show notes for those yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> that'll all be there too. And uh, yeah, also we're, both shows are on Twitter as well. Uh, and I'm assuming most of your listeners are on Twitter. Um, they can follow the impromptu by going to at the impromptu and Gemcast is actually at Gem Podcast because somebody took Gemcast. They've been squatting <laughs> on that name and I tried to contact them and they didn't reply. So. Yeah, that's always the case, eh? Um, yeah, you can find the show notes for this episode at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 98. Uh, this episode and many others would have been fed to you by FeedPress. So that's where the links would have showed up in your RSS player, iPod player of choice, um, which you can check out at feed.press slash SMYM, like I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in checking them out for podcast hosting, RSS feed redirection, even just for your blog. Um, and you can also check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris is where you can support my podcasting efforts a little more directly if you'd like to with a buck or two a month. And details are over there at patreon.com slash iChris. We also have uh, at the top of the show notes will be a link to discuss this episode if you want to have comments, questions, anything further, uh, maybe some feedback about uh, Stu's issue with audio and headphones and stuff, uh, which we'll link to our subreddit. Uh, Twitter for good stuff is at goodstufffm. I'm iChris on Twitter. Showing me your mic is smym underscore fm. And like I mentioned earlier, you can email me with any questions, comments, suggestions for future uh, guests at chris at goodstuff.fm. I think that's everything for this episode. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.